Hello to all of you and welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I'm Danny Simmons. And I'm Kurt Norbit. Today our title is The Gospel in Lithuania. Uh, Kurt has just returned to us from Lithuania. And honestly, as we begin this show, I mean, we're going to focus on the gospel in Lithuania and his impression while he was there. But Kurt had been wanting to go back to Vilnius ever since he left there in 2019. Uh, he had come in contact with a man by the name of Joseph Potter. That's what we call him in the United States. And what is his real name, Kurt? Joosis Podjukaitis. And that's why I call him Joseph <laughs> Potter, because that is very difficult for me to say. But these are families and people in Lithuania, and mm -hmm. so that's his name. Um, and when Kurt was there, he recognized the great interest in God's truth. Uh, he saw the need that Joseph stood in uh, for extra help in teaching the truth. And, and I can just say, as, as one of Kurt's friends, that his heart has been with the brethren there ever since he met them. And I just know that to be true. Uh, now that these travel restrictions have loosened up, Kurt found a a wonderful opportunity to go uh, and began making plans for a trip around the middle of this year. Uh, Northwest, the congregation here, um, saw the need uh, and we were able to help supply financial support for this trip that was just taken. And I, I need to say as well that many of the brethren uh, pitched in mm -hmm. before you left uh, and the purpose for that was to help the saints who may be in need uh, this coming winter specifically, is that right? Just the, the cold weather that's coming, mm -hmm. the costs of groceries, gas, the, what it would cost to warm a home is is far greater than what we face here now. Yes. So uh, that was put in front of us. We were made aware of that, and, and many of the brethren here um, pitched in to help with that. So that's a beautiful thing. Um, Kurt was in Vilnius for three full weeks, returned home on Tuesday night. That would have been November 2nd. Um, and this coming Sunday, Lord willing, he will give his report to the congregation here in Austin on Sunday, and we're looking forward to that. Yeah, it was, uh, for those who may not know, we mentioned Vilnius and Lithuania. Uh, Vilnius is the capital city of the country. It's in the far southeast corner of the country, and Lithuania is one of the Baltic states up just north of Poland. Uh, and just west of Belarus, it shares a common border with both. So right on the Baltic Sea, beautiful little area. It's a lovely country. And my great-grandfather, or my grandfather, my paternal grandfather came from there, so. Uh, but wasn't that part of the original reason why you went? Yeah, we were gonna look up family records, see if we could find anything, which we may have. It's kind of hard, because family history records are spotty because yeah. they've been occupied by the Soviets and the Nazis and everybody else. Uh, but we know, I do have paper evidence that my paternal grandfather came from a city about an hour north of Vilnius. So you've got blood roots <clears throat> there. That's something that you know about, which is one of the original reasons that you went. But as this developed, you found this group of people, mm -hmm. fell in love with them and the work that they're doing there. And so I, I just have... You know, I, I know the report's coming on Sunday, but I've got some questions that I've been thinking about. And, and just the prayers that we had offered while you were away from us. Mm. Um, what, one of my questions was the spiritual concerns that they may be facing now. And I, I, I do want to say with that question, it's not just a, a, a blank question. Um, I just realized that when you go in, really anywhere, if, if I was to leave the Austin area and let's say I went up to Alabama or Kentucky or wherever, that you, you may need to be prepared that 
they're not dealing with the same thing we are. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. The circumstances that are in front of them, society, local society, maybe a new law has been passed. You know, the church has to sit down and say, what are we going to do about this? Should we do anything? Is this spiritual? Is it carnal? Uh, and so I just realized that when you go somewhere else, you're going to see that typically there's a different issue that we had not been talking about, but is very real to them mm -hmm. for reasons that can be made known to you. And so when you, in your case, you've traveled halfway across the world, I mean, <laughs> that compounds the probability that there's something else uh, that is in front of them that they're dealing with. But what would those be? Uh, well, one thing that was a strong motivation for me to go back to Lithuania is the, the religious, if you will, the spiritual situation in Europe. Uh, Europe overall is very secular. That goes back historically, the, the relationship between church and state and what have you. But uh, there's no active opposition against the church, but there is societal pressure that is not favorable toward the church. Just because, you know, for a lot of people, there is no God. Science and, and this life and the universe is all there is, and so we just go on. That is reflected a lot in the youth. Um, uh, the, the questions I normally got from the young people were, how do we know we can trust the Bible? Yeah. Uh, what makes it different? It's just another religious book. Why do you think it's different? What's so special about Christianity, uh, to use that word? Uh, wh why do you think it's the only way? Uh, so I had to address those issues with the younger people, like high school, early college age. With the older people, uh, it's, it mostly comes from a traditional background because Lithuania is heavily Catholic. Uh, three quarters of the country identifies itself as uh, Roman Catholics. Mm. Uh, and Protestant representation there among the Protestant denominations is very minimal. So their questions kind of relate back to Catholic tradition. Mm. What about infant baptism? Should we pray to the saints? And, you know, stuff like that. So it was, it was really distinct, and I noticed that. So I was, depending on the age group, you know, I was dealing with two completely different approaches uh, to questions that obviously are on their mind a lot. Uh, with the young people, for example, we had every Friday evening there a, a youth group meeting um, and they really liked the Bible as a guide in life. Hmm. Uh, they, they see it as very valuable for that. In fact, they, they make efforts to get to that, that meeting, that class, uh, that I don't think a lot of Americans would. Hmm. And they're not even only one, well, it, it turned out in the end there were two there out of... Uh, you know, seven or eight that would attend every week that were Christians. So, hmm. you know, they saw the the value of the Bible as a moral guide, but it's nothing special as far as a religious book goes. And that was reflected in uh, the first question I got, because uh, the first Friday evening I was there and, and kind of conducting the class, I just opened it up. It was sort of a get-to-know-each-other thing instead of covering a topic. Yeah. 
So I just said, what would you like to ask me? And the first question I got was, how did you become a Christian? Because there, and I could see where that question was coming from, because with the kind of secular thinking behind that is you become the religion that you're exposed to in your society. A Chinese or an Asian will become a Buddhist. Uh, An Arab will become a, a Muslim. An American will become a Christian because that's what, that's the culture you're raised in. And so even though they didn't bring that up, that's where that question was coming from. So I gave my story, my testimony of how I became a Christian. But then I pointed out uh, I came from a family that was not religious. Yes, I heard about Jesus all, you know, the gospels all over America. You hear about Jesus is familiar to everybody. But I pointed out just because I'm an American that grew up in that culture doesn't mean I'm automatically destined to become a Christian because the first Christians were Jews. They weren't raised in a Christian environment because there was none. Yeah, there you go. That's a great point. And you have people today growing up in China who do not become Christian. They convert to Christianity. They weren't raised in that, and that's true everywhere. Sure. So that's an invalid uh, premise and I tried to show that so we had really good discussions but like I say the older folks from like maybe their 30s on are more concerned about the traditions they've been subjected to because there are a lot of ex-Catholics that you know saw things weren't right or just didn't weren't fulfilled and they've now come looking for something to feed their spirits yeah yeah and I guess you know with those questions um, the questions you initially started with of what their concerns were that we've, we have heard those, but as you're saying, the way the culture uh, mm-hmm. and the upbringing, and just, it's just understood in a, in a general broad brush kind of way that this is the way things are, that we are definitely coming from a different place. We're, we're asking the same question potentially, but it's, it seems that there's as much more deeply rooted, like mm-hmm. you're, you're yes. really going to have to dig me out of this because yeah. everything well, I understand is built on it. You know, to put things in perspective, the city of Vilnius is older than this country. Oh, man. There are buildings in Vilnius <laughs> that are twice the age of the United States. They're celebrating. They're coming up on their 700th anniversary, uh, the wow. city of Vilnius. So these are deeply established and rooted traditions, generations of families. And part of that spiritual hunger is, and I, I ran into this quite a bit, uh, people I was uh, that I met, they, they either come to services or our members, uh, they came to the realization that we're just doing this stuff without even knowing what we're doing it for. Mm-hmm. We, we go and do this ritual or say these prayers or we hear a, a Latin or a sermon in a language we don't understand and just on and on. And they're going, there's, there's, it, it's empty, it's dry. Yeah. There's nothing there. It's just practice because generations have done that and so it it, that has driven them to look for something there's got to be more is their attitude and the reality of that is that christianity being a christian in the the church and you know being a part of that can be the same thing it can be dry and empty because oh yeah you're doing it because grandma did it that's right you're not even sure it's a lesson for all of us it is a lesson for all of us the beautiful thing about what you're explaining about this particular situation where you went and what we have here at home is that for us and for them, 
they have the word of God that can be opened and say, this is why I believe what I believe. This is why we do what we do. Because we see God allowing it, permitting it, or commanding it in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So that the validity is all found in the scriptures. Yes. It's, such, it's such a beautiful thing. I, I think that is wonderful. So you've mentioned just different age groups. So give us a picture of the congregation uh, snapshot. If I walk into the room, how many young people, how many elderly, uh, are there married couples, families with children? What, what are we looking at? Well, the congregation, uh, for example, if, if you were to walk into the assembly and, on a Sunday morning and everyone's in their seat, it's about, attendance is going to be between 25 and 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, a substantial portion of that is regular visitors, much higher ratio than we see here in the States, uh, almost equal. You'd have members and just visitors who regularly come. Uh, and there's some interesting stories as to how they got there and why they came and why they like it there. Uh, but it's it's a pretty good mix of kids, uh, you know, and keep in mind this is a small group, sure. a small country. Actually, it's bigger than when I was there the first time. It has grown. Nice. And there's a reason for that, too. Uh, but... Um, You've got older people, middle-aged, you know, then you've got young families. Uh, the, the main thing I notice, though, there, there are some strong couples, a few, but most of them are uh, individuals whose spouse is an unbeliever or is a Christian but has stopped coming or found some kind of a hang-up, like one of the really godly men, just a sensational guy, uh, really faithful and knows what the Bible's saying. His wife's a Christian, but I only met her on about, I think, the next to last day, the last day before I left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they live very close to where Joseph does, just right outside the city limits of Vilnius. Um, so there's a lot of that. Um, but that's not foreign to what, what we see Yeah, here. we see it here too. But there are also a lot of immigrants. There are non-native Lithuanians mm. in the congregation. So they bring a real interesting mix of backgrounds. And, you know, <laughs> for example, there is a, a lady there who is Iranian and lived in Kuala Lumpur for some time and then came to uh, Lithuania to finish her studies. She's, she's working toward her master's. And she, several times when we would talk and visit, she says, I, I realize I can't go back to Iran because she's, she's interested in knowing who God is. And she would not be well. Well, of course, there's the, the societal disruption going on over there mm-hmm. right now. It's dangerous. But she knows she would not be welcome back because she's not going to bow down to Allah or uh, the ancient religion of Iran, which is uh, Zoroastrianism. She rejects all that. So she's, she's wanting to know about God. She hasn't been baptized yet, but she, she really is looking for the truth. That's wonderful. Yeah. And she'll find it. And she's just an example of several others within that. And I, I told all of those who kind of had that approach and that background that if, if you're seeking the truth, God will allow you to find it. That's and then right. it's your choice what to do with it. So if you're looking for him, the Acts 17 says he's not far from us. 
he will allow us to be found. He'll allow himself to be found if we're looking for him. And once we find him and we see his truth and he, we see what he offers us, he gives us the choice of what to do with it. That's right. Paul says that he's not far from any one of us, that we may grope for him. And you have Hebrews 11, yep. 6, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently, diligently seek, seek him. him. Yes. And so you're telling me about situations where that is happening, mm-hmm. even in circumstances where that is, that's difficult. Those are life-changing decisions that you're going to pursue this yep. and find. I want to get to the bottom of this. Yep. And she's better for it, the individual you, you've mentioned, because if she gets to the end and she says, whatever her conclusion is, she at least searched it out. Yeah, that, That's a beautiful picture of someone, instead of saying, well, I heard about you Christians. You know, like, well, okay, well, what's that worth? Mm-hmm. you, you got to go in and see with your own eyes. You need to read the Word of God and watch Him speak to your heart, which is what we, we impress that all the time on our listeners, that His, his Word is alive. And she's going to find that because, yeah. as you said, uh, God wanting nothing more than for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah. And so she's looking for it. That's that. Yeah. I mean, had to be encouraging to you. Oh, it was. It, she's not the only one, but several times, and especially the last Sunday I was there because I was leaving that following Monday, she expressed to me how much she appreciated the opportunities to talk with me and have her questions answered. Absolutely. Because you're coming from the other side of the earth. Yeah. And that, you're saying that the impressed same her. Thing. Yeah. Jo- it's not that Joseph's not doing anything. Right. The reason I was there, he's, he's working his tail off. Yeah. He needed a break, you know? Yeah. But uh, one thing he pointed out to me, and it's I, I know this in European culture anyway, especially in the Eastern European nations, they look up to Americans, mm. especially if, if they're spiritually interested, like this young lady, an older American gets a lot of respect when they're talking about the gospel. And it's got to be tied to what you mentioned earlier, that, that this is feeling or this understanding that we've been brought up yeah. in, mm-hmm. in a Christian society. And so you would, you would just be seen instantly as, as established in the yeah. truth and kind of beyond the basic principles of Scripture. But I, you know, to be cognizant of that, I made sure that every time I asked a question, or was asked a question and gave an answer, I always referred to the Bible. Oh, you have to. Said, here's what the Bible says. If there was a distinction to be drawn, you know, if they asked a question that the Bible doesn't directly address, it just may give the principle or it doesn't speak to it, so we have to make a decision based on a a godly foundation. I would tell them, well, the Bible doesn't speak directly to that, but here are my thoughts. Sure. Here's my opinion on that. (laughs) And they still respect that because it's still coming from a Bible background. Plus, to them, I'm an old guy, so I've got some experience. And it was humbling. It was over and over again, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Well, I'm not so sure whether I have a lot of wisdom. (laughs) But but they could see the answers were coming from experience as a Christian, 45 years in the kingdom, and biblically based and they they respected that yeah if, if if it would have been me just constantly well you shouldn't be doing that because i think you know here's my what i say you should do that's not going to go anywhere they were looking for the for god's answer yeah. and so i i think it laid a good foundation and impressed them that i would always well you know paul said in acts or you know peter mentions in first peter or yeah. The Bible talks about over here, and just 
lay it out for them and, and give them the answer. And they were uh, always satisfied with that. They wow. appreciated that very much. I'm surprised you came back. People <laughs> telling you you were so wise. <laughs> well, that's probably one reason I had to get out of there. Is I, I wanted that's to be awesome. able to still wear the same ball cap. I was going to say, back. man, you can get your head out of the front yeah. door. Well, you know, again, I'm, I'm realizing where they're coming from. They, they have a very rudimentary understanding of the faith. They want to know more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here they see this guy from America who's been willing to come and... Joseph has worked it out for us to get together for lunch or whatever the meeting might be. And they just asked their questions. There was no hesitancy or embarrassment. They'd say, I've been wanting to ask you, or I I have a question. And it's something that's been bubbling there for a long time. And to give them a biblically, biblically, and I'm sure Joseph has addressed it. But to hear another voice and an objective voice from the outside reinforcing that or maybe giving a, a little bit different slant but coming to the same conclusion. Yep. Uh, it, they really appreciated that. Um, that. That has a powerful <clears throat> effect, and the Lord knows that to be true. Yeah, his, his word was exerting its power That's awesome. over there. It was Man, wonderful to really, see. really, really good. So I, I don't want to miss any other questions that may have come up that you thought maybe he caught you off guard or you thought, wow, that's deep or, you know, whatever, because you, you did get a lot of questions. I don't want to rule that out at any point. You, you think of another question that you thought was worth mentioning to us because I you know I, I'm trying I'm trying to help get you to uh, help us kind of tap into Lithuania and uh, and set us down in front of those good people and and see what's on their mind and I think it helps us too when we pray for them and Christians around the world that we know what we're praying for with great purpose because we know that there's brethren there after you've brought that report and that's a good thing what about the the war in Ukraine. You mentioned mm. Soviet control um, in years past, and so there's there's a remnant of that in their minds. What what do they think about the war? Well, it is constantly before them. Uh, just as an example, you you go out on the street, and they they have buses running all over the place, mm. and you know on the front they've got the placard that they're heading for this destination, so that they would flash it up there, going to South Vilnius or whatever, the next thing that would flash would be, we heart Ukraine. Really? We love Ukraine. There are Ukrainian flags all over the place. Uh, people flying the Lithuanian flag in their yard with a Ukrainian flag right next to it. Uh, the reason for that is because of their memories of Soviet oppression. They know that the battle, their battle is being fought in Ukraine. If Ukraine falls, Russia's coming for them next. Really? And they know it. And Putin has stated that. Now, when it came up, I would point out to him, and, and here, this is not biblical, I'd just say, I'm, I'm a student of history and geopolitics. So what we're seeing is nothing new. Yeah. This, this is just Russia being Russia. I said, right now, they are not capable of attacking Lithuania. They, they can't even get out of Ukraine. They're, yeah. they're losing badly in Ukraine, so they are not in a, in a position to come after Lithuania. No. But it, they're not looking at, oh, it might happen tomorrow. It's if Ukraine falls, Russia will eventually they're be gonna here. They're going to lick their wounds. Yeah, and then they're going to come for us. Because so it's just, it's, you know, Putin wants to rebuild the Soviet empire, and the Baltics were part of that. So they see 
they look at it as an immediate threat. The, the day that Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, Lithuania declared a national state of emergency mm. because they know what's going on. They're they remember about, the Soviet boot. They're not worried about antagonizing him or the, the nation of, of Russia? Well, there's, there's not a lot they can do to antagonize him. I mean, well, even Ukrainian flags may <coughs> stir things up. Well, again, they know the battlegrounds Ukraine. Whether we antagonize him or not, our fate is sealed to what happens in Ukraine. Wow. Poland is the same way. Uh, the strongest supporters immediately of Ukraine, and, and they've been unbreakable and inseparable, inseparable since the uh, invasion, uh, is that they remember the Soviet times. They don't want, you know, Putin's got this thing, well, we need to unite all the Russians. Well, the Estonians, the Latvians, and the Lithuanians, the Baltic states, and the Poles don't want to be Russians. And we're not Russians. You know, get a clue. Yeah. Uh, so it does worry them. Um, they keep up on what's going on in Ukraine, the, the fighting that's going on there. One sister, just as an example, uh, our first meeting uh, at in Joseph and his wife Shivala's house, she expressed the concern that I am really worried about what's happening in Ukraine, to the point where she felt like she would be getting panic attacks. And I, I just reassured her, you know, it's not going to happen. And I just pointed out, what's happening to Russia and Ukraine right now? They're not winning. In fact, they're losing badly. And geopolitically, it's yeah, awful. It, they're in a huge mess. Yeah. So they are not in a position to do anything with Lat uh, Lithuania, except nuke them, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> you, you said that? No, I didn't, <laughs> but that's all they could do. There's, yeah, there's no, no pressure. But I also pointed out, <laughs> this is all in God's hands. He raises up rulers, and he brings them down. He works among the nations. So whatever happens... God's in control of it, and it will be good, whatever he does. So I did pose the question, with your worrying about it, what will that do about the war yeah, in Ukraine? That's the main point. Well, well it won't do anything. Yeah, so you're the one that's suffering here. It's not going to change what's happening. That's right. So don't worry about things you can't control. And that, that was a consistent message for the three weeks I was there. Don't worry about things you can't control. In fact, my last sermon was be anxious for nothing. Good. Um, and I and, think and she said later on, we went down that evening to her flat uh, to meet her husband and have continued discussions. And as we got there and you know got going, she said, you really helped me today. I felt a lot better today. Good. So... You know, I was going to say, there's. I think you saying there. don't worry, it would be one position to say, oh, yeah, fly over from America and tell us not to worry. That's real. Mm -hmm. But the reality is you came there. So there's validity to what you're saying. You're certainly not worried. Yeah, and I told him that. Because you showed up. Yeah, I said, I am not afraid of what Russia's doing. Very interesting. And so it that's, was for those two reasons that I pointed out to her. As far as the world's concerned, that is front and center for them. They um, are very much uh, involved in that. Well, we should be praying about that. Yes. They, they, they should not be they anxious. They need the prayers. And we shouldn't yes. be either. And uh, we, we can certainly it, pray for that. It is constantly in the back of their minds okay. of, of what's happening with Russia. Good. That's good Good for us to know. Um, 
so with all of that going on, what's the potential? What do you see? What do you see in the next five years, next ten years for Joseph, and then spread that out to the congregation of Lithuania, and then spread that out to, even into Europe? I mean, what's what's happening? Well, one thing that I've been thinking about since I was there in 2019 is is the fact that Europe is so secular. Um, but it was my belief, and I, I also applied it to our situation politically and sociologically and everything else morally here in America, is with so much uncertainty and instability and violence that we see in society and just everything that's going on, the economics, financial situations, that that's going to drive people to look for something better. It's being shown to them that this, this world is not the safest place I thought it would be. You know, in Ukraine, in fact, well, we, we don't have time to develop this whole story. But uh, there's a brother who was ministering in the churches in eastern Ukraine, where there were a lot of churches, dozens and dozens of churches in eastern Ukraine. Hmm. Uh, he said he went to Kiev on February 23rd to teach a class at a Bible school there and woke up that morning, the 24th, to explosions in the city. And that was, of course, the 24th was the Russian invasion, and they had a column coming down from Belarus that was headed straight for Kiev, the capital city of Ukraine. Yeah. So we say, oh, well, that wouldn't happen here. But one moment, life is just moving along, and the next, your house is blowing up. Right. And your people, your brethren, your families are running for the hills to get away from tanks that are rolling into your town. Well, guess what? The world's uncertain. This material world is temporal. It's unstable. Uh, the sinfulness of man gets exerted in many ways, and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And they saw that lesson firsthand and took that lesson with them. Uh, many of the brethren, of course, fled the East, went to Western Ukraine and in the bordering countries there, Poland, uh, Romania, Slovakia, Hungary, um, 50,000 uh, immigrants, Ukrainians, are in Lithuania. They fled there. But I, 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 I'll talk more about this Sunday. I, I listened to a profound talk from that minister that would, was in Ukraine. He said that since all those Ukrainians have come west and united with churches uh, yeah. in, in, the, in the eastern countries there and in western Ukraine, they've had over 150 baptisms since the start of the war. And that just told me, there, there it is. Those Ukrainians brought their, their suffering faith with them, strong in the faith, ex escaping suffering. Now they've just left their homes. Families are split up. Everything's gone. They're in a completely different country, totally different situation. The only thing in common is they're with Christians in that country. But that influence has spread. They're bringing their faith and their message with them. And conversions are taking place because people are hungry. That's awesome. And they're waking up to the fact that this world is not there is. And in fact, it, it's not really all that great. 
Yeah. I, I want something better. Well, that's Acts chapter 8. Jesus. Yeah. Saul was persecuting exactly. the church and brought havoc in the church. And it says those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the gospel. And so I, I believe there's positive, tremendous growth potential. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, because God has always worked that way. It is he, he uses suffering and instability and tragedy and war and everything else to wake people up. And that's when the gospel grows. Because people are, they are, they do realize it. It finally comes, they are forced to face the fact that this world cannot be counted on. You can't depend on tomorrow. And Ecclesiastes tells us that God has put, placed eternity in our hearts. Yes. And so when your life is threatened in a very real way, you start to think, I know there's more to, to all this than just what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And I'd better be ready uh, for the day that I pass from this life. And I, yeah. as you said, that pressure is unfortunate. We don't want that. We love comfort and being at peace. Oh, yeah. But that lackadaisical drift that yeah. takes place is countering. It, it takes something shocking to get out of that comfort zone. That's a shame. Sometimes it takes a war. Yeah. And, I mean, yes, there's been hideous suffering and destruction and brutality in Ukraine. But... I just had my faith and my thinking on that validated by seeing what has happened there in God delivering his people out of uh, that, you know, that tragedy and that suffering in a way we would never think of seeing the, the spread of the gospel as these people moved west. That Hearing that story from that brother just really resonated. That, that, that was probably one of the most powerful moments I experienced while I was over there. Was That's awesome. Hearing what he had to say and look, looking back 30 years, 29 years since the Soviet Union fell, and looking how God prepared the soil. Yeah. And so now that this disaster has happened, the gospel's going forth, and souls are being saved as a result. It's an amazing thing. It really is. I'm glad you got to sit in on it and be a part of that. Um, the only thing I had left, I just, I, you know, for you personally, you were there for three weeks. Give us a highlight. What's one of the things that you think is going to stay with you for a while? Well, of course, there were two that obeyed the gospel. So there's two precious souls. <laughs> That's uh, pretty good. They, they In the first week, well, one obeyed the gospel two days after I got there because it wasn't just because I was there, but again, hearing a different voice. Um, with a different authority behind it gives you something a little different to think about. So I got there Tuesday afternoon. Wednesday, that was it. Let me get it right here. I think it was the next week, actually. Uh, this young man was baptized, and then the following Sunday, right after services, uh, an, a lady, she... In fact, Joseph came to me in the morning. He says, Gitano wants to be baptized. So we talked with her to make sure she understood what she was doing. And, you know, it wasn't just some kind of a reaction or whatever. But she wanted to be baptized, so she was baptized in the bathtub. But probably the two things that really stand out to me that were totally unexpected, and Joseph and I talked about this, and we just said that, that God opened those doors. Uh, the 
that Wednesday, I got there Tuesday afternoon. That Wednesday, we went and had lunch with two men who were actual fleshly brothers, Sergei and Vladimir. Vladimir works with a house church in Kalmas, which is in the center of the country. It's the second largest city, a little over an hour west of uh, Vilnius. And he invited us to come out to Vilnius that next Sunday after services, in, or come out to Kaunas after services in Vilnius and address the group there. And Joseph goes, you know what? If you'd been here two years ago, we couldn't have done that because they didn't exist. <laughs> How about so that? That was awesome. I mean, he, he said, you know, come to Kaunas. We would like you to come and talk to us. So that was awesome. Uh, the second thing that really stands out is uh, we don't really, well, I, I guess I can develop it. There is a one so-called Christian radio station in Lithuania, xfm.lt, uh, 94.9, I think it is, on the FM dial. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, Joseph was invited to come to that radio station and record some five-minute spots to just talk about a Bible point, you know, to make it with a little five-minute uh, talk. Wow. The reason he was able to do that is because one of the ladies in the church, who hasn't been a Christian all that long, had gotten a job at that station and had worked there. She's been now there three months as the station administrator. So... Plus, he knows one other person that works at the station, so that's how he got invited. Well, when we got together with the lady, Laura is her name, uh, the sister that works there, I think it was Joseph that broached to her, you know, Kurt's here, maybe you would want to interview him uh, on the radio. And she goes, well, you know, that might be, a, might be an idea. At our next staff meeting Monday, I'll bring it up with the program director. So the next week, we went in there on Wednesday, I think it was, for him to record his spots. And he, he did three of them. And as we came out and, and talked with Laura, she goes, okay, we've got tomorrow set aside for you both to come in to, for Kurt to be interviewed. You can come at 8.30 or 9.30. So we're kind of, well, how, let's do 9.30 because that gives us a little time in the morning to, we're not rushing around, you know. <laughs> so this is an 8 to 10 morning radio show that goes out over all of Lithuania. And uh, so we got there, uh, met with the guy that was going to do the uh, interview, a man named Ustinas, who is the program director. Uh, he does an 8 to 10 morning show, and we had the last slot which is a good one. Uh, we came in at 9.30, and I thought it was just going to be maybe like a five-minute blurb or whatever. Mm -hmm. he, he did it a 20-minute live interview on the radio uh, with him asking me questions in English. I answered, of course, in English, and Joseph is sitting right next to me translating it into Lithuanian. <laughs> uh, most young people in Lithuania will speak English. They can speak and understand it because they're taught it in school. The older folks uh, are more familiar with Russian because they go back to the Soviet times. Mm. So in both English and Lithuanian, uh, it's going to cover the audience. Yep. And it'll really be interesting because those who are 
learning to speak English and practicing it over there like to hear it so that they can yeah. be familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, so I did a 20-minute interview. He asked some good questions. Um, and the next week, a friend of Joseph, who had been in, Lith- in Vilnius but now lives out in Kaunas, was in town in Vilnius, and he called up Joseph and said, hey, can we get together for lunch? So he was invited over to Joseph's place, and he's a, he went to Catholic theology school, very devout young man, but he's, he's ecumenical in his thinking. He's, he's open. He, he believes anyone who believes in Jesus is going to be all right. You don't have to be a Catholic. But a really engaging and sharp young man. Uh, and he mentioned, yeah, I heard your interview, and so I wanted to get together and talk to you. Wow. And at, after we were done, as, we were, as he was having to leave to get back home, he said, I really appreciate this opportunity to talk to you. I feel like I can talk to you about things that I can't talk to anyone about. I enjoy a good spiritual conversation. So since he lives in Colonus, Joseph's not going to be able to have frequent contact with him. So I said, well, why don't we uh, become friends on Facebook and we can stay in touch with each other and you can, we can get into discussions or whatever's on your mind. So, you know, Joseph pointed that out, too. He said, you know, if you'd been here in 2020, we wouldn't have been able to do this radio interview because Laura wasn't even a Christian. She didn't work at the radio station. you got to wonder about that, huh? So I don't know what God's going to do with that. And it's not, again, you know, stations need content. And so here's an American who came to Lithuania to help a church. Why did you do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it was a great interview. And he promoted the podcast, uh, both at the start and at the end of the show. Uh-oh. He mentioned the, shi- the, the uh, common sense gospel and, you know, gave, gave the whole deal on it. Told you you can get it on Spotify or iTunes. Wow. So that's why I mentioned it the other night. Watch, watch for a spike in Europe, maybe. But it was, it was a great experience. That's awesome. And, and I'm just excited to see what may develop from that. Yeah. You know, it's nothing that... It's because of me. God opened that door. I was able to have the opportunity to take advantage of it, and now he's going to use that to his glory. And I'm I'm excited to see what that might be. Amen. That is fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. I know there's three Mm. weeks. There's just no way that you could tell us, you know, moment by moment. More to come on Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, I I get more of this, and that's that's good. I'm thankful for that. We We appreciate your time today, obviously. Uh, you've spent a lot of time in front of microphones the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Seems like it. Important shows. So we, we appreciate you giving us time in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we always love having spiritual conversations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, we, we thank God that um, the timing worked out the way that it did for these specific things. Yeah. And we'll let that be what God wants it to be. Yes, he's going to work with it. But you, you stand that's just as part. Isaiah did. Here am I. Send me. Mm-hmm. I, I want to help. I'll do what I can. And the door was open for you, and, and you found a way to get to the other side of the world, help those brethren there. Obviously, the encouragement here at home, and for anyone who hears this, to, to know a little bit more about what's happening in those areas for someone who's seen it firsthand is very valuable to us. And it's, it's humbling because I got to thinking, okay, here two years later from when I originally wanted to go back, God has opened the door. That means he's got something going. He, he's, he's got something 
that he's going to work with. And he's allowing me to go do it. So I don't know what it's going to be. I just have to use the situations that arise and do the best I can in right. promoting the gospel. And that's humbling. It is humbling. That God somehow saw fit that I could do something that he wanted done in this place now at this time. And it also gave me a sense of responsibility since God has opened that door. I've got to take these opportunities and, and do what I can to plant the seed and, and encourage people and promote the truth. That's right. Absolutely. To those brethren in Lith Lithuania, uh, just from me to you, if, if you ever get a chance to hear this particular show, uh, we're so grateful to know more about you, to hear where you are right now in your lives, in your study of God's word, your search for his truth, and, and the great things that are happening with the brethren there. We are going to continue to pray for you. Our love and our affection goes out to you as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and we, we thank God for, for you and the good work you're doing. Be strong. Stand up for the truth. Uh, be a soldier of Christ uh, every moment of your life. And, and he will do just what Kurt was saying. He's going he's gonna to see that through to its appropriate end. Uh, he loves you more than words can explain. And that has been demonstrated through the blood of his son. So thank you again, Kurt, for all the good work you've done mm -hmm. and what you'll continue to do uh, as we move forward. Uh, I really enjoyed this and, and look forward to our next show in the upcoming week. For the rest of you who are out there, uh, please pray for those who are across the world and are going through all kinds of different situations mm -hmm. who, who need God's care and his comfort and his mighty hand uh, to hold them up in, in their times of need. Lord, we'll be praying for them and, and continue to pray for our own growth and development as we serve the Lord with all of our heart.